Yes, people, welcome to episode 16 of the Trading Lever podcast. I'm your host, Steve Boxman, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dave, from Boxing's First. Dave, how are you, mate? Lots to discuss today. Yeah, massive show this week. We've got big, big news. <laughs> the same subject we seem to cover every week, and then we've got some massive American cards, and then another fight in Eddie's Garden. So, a lot to get through in this show. Yeah, and as always, we'll start with this weekend's action. We begin with a main event from Fight Camp 2. Uh, Kid Galahad stopped Jazza Dickens to become the IBF featherweight uh, champion. As we expected, Dave Galahad, he had too much class for Dickens. Was you impressed with Galahad's performance? Yeah, massively impressed. We said last week, didn't we, on the predictions and through through the preview that we'd expect his, his boxing brain, his boxing ability to, to just be too much for Dickens, who's, who's a brave warrior, who's as tough as he come, and he'll keep coming. I didn't expect it to be that wide open. There was a massive, massive golfing class between the two fighters. And that's no disrespect to Dickens. He's he's a likeable fella. He, he, you know, he loves the sport. He gives it everything. But you can't deny on the night, Galahad was just a light years ahead. He was unbelievable. Yeah, real solid performance. I think a couple of key points. I think his jab was persistent. His combinations were flowing. But... The most important thing for me, there was a big increase in his output. Um, he didn't seem to be taking any chances after the Warrington fight where he lost that decision. So it got to a point where the stoppage was good for me. Um, I wouldn't have complained if it was a little bit earlier, to, uh, to be honest. Dave Dickens was taking an unnecessary beating, in my opinion. Um, but after speculation around his future, Dave uh, Galahad's now committed to matchroom. So... We look at what's to come. We spoke a bit about it last week. Uh, we expect a defence later on this year, but uh, the plan will be a unification fight realistically, won't it, Dave? And, and that's something the division's crying out for. Yeah, it's a division that needed a kick up the backside, didn't it? And with this recent movement, maybe we're going to get that. There'll be one eye on, on the WBA super champion on Santa Cruz and the decision that they're going to make there. Are they going to upgrade Wood? Well, I think the Wood Zhu uh, Kam fight should have been for the super title. They missed a trip there for whatever reason. They decided to let Santa Cruz still sit on that title, but it's going to get heated. They're going to be have pressure put on them. There's Navarati. There's Gary Russell. There's there's Galahad will fight anybody. Don't get me wrong, he will fight anybody. But there's some real class at the top of that division, so he'll have to be at his best if he is to, to unify. Yeah, I think I think the Wood one is the one they're going to look forward uh, uh, look towards making. I'm I'm not being funny. You've just mentioned it about Leo Santa Cruz. I'm, I'm sure we're going to get onto the WBA a lot today, but I'm, I'm sure they're going to make that decision soon. And of course, they've got probably you've got the rematch between Zhukan and Lee Wood. You would imagine um, the winner would then get Galahad in in what could what could. And I don't like I don't like uh, champions or title holders being promoted. We've spoke about this before, but that's the way it works. So we, we could get a, a proper unification if that's the case. But moving on, um, let's look at the undercard, Dave. Uh, we wasn't too impressed with it on paper. Did you enjoy the un undercard? And what caught your eye on the card? It was just a fun card. We had fun fighters in Fabio Wardley, Nick Webb, both hard hitters, Babich, we know what he's about. Mark Bennett was brave in there, but it was only ever going one way. Our criticism was that there was no 50-50 fights on the undercard, that we saw the week before, fight camp week one, we've seen some real good competitive fights on the undercard. And we said last week that Fight Camp Week 2 didn't have any any fights that looked to be 50-50 on paper. Don't get me wrong, you know, you get surprises sometimes and you see a fight where you expect one person to be dominant and it ends up being a real war. But we didn't get that this week. It, everything went as planned, really. Everything went as we envisaged. And it was entertaining because you got hard hitters. We got knockouts. We got Ebony Bridges flashing flash as usual, and it, it was entertaining. But it wasn't from a from a boxing purist point of view. There was no real competitive competition there, was there? No, it wasn't great in all honesty. But like you just mentioned there, Babich Bennett, it, it was what ex uh, we expected. Babich, he's raw. He's got that fan friendly style. But let's be honest, Dave, I don't think he's ready for a big step up. But <laughs> Bennett somehow hung in there, so that that was a pretty good watch. But yeah, there was there was nothing really great on that undercard to have a shouting about, and yeah, it was what we expected in all honesty. But moving stateside, Dave, and a horrible, horrible night for boxing. And and Dave, we've spoken a, a lot on this podcast about bad judging and corruption in boxing. 
But th this was just horrible viewing for any boxing fan. It really was. Uh, Gabriel Meish, uh, he, he got a decision win over Michael Fox to win the WBA interim title. Uh, a decision that absolutely stunk of corruption. Uh, Dave, there was so much wrong with this one. You've got the taping issue with the gloves at the start of the fight. You had the horrendous scorecards. Uh, Fox got a knockdown, outboxed him. Uh, There's stories of racism. Uh, the list goes on. There's so much to talk about with this one, Dave, but this is on the WBA, isn't it? It's pure corruption. And, and on their part, the fix was in. And even if Fox had knocked him out, you, you, <laughs> they would have found a way to give it to Mace, wouldn't they, Dave? It was. It, we've mentioned cards, like you just said there. We seem to mention dodgy cards every week on this show. And it becomes more prevalent when, as a, as a fight fan, as a viewer of the sport, you see it. But when we're doing a podcast every week, you sort of feel like you're repeating yourself at times. And then it, be it becomes prevalent at how ingrained in the sport this is. And we're very careful of what we say because to call somebody corrupt without the necessary, without the adequate proof you're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble so we sometimes call it incompetence but i'm in no way going to stop saying corrupt about that card there is absolutely no other word for it it was corrupt from the get-go like you just said there the moment they enter the ring foxy's corner saying his raps aren't right his, his, his glove tape's not right the referee's questioning the wba who signed these gloves off and there's no response from anybody Right then, that was a red flag, wasn't it? You know something's not quite right here. It, 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 there's no way that anybody should be able to make it through the hand-wrapping process, through the glove-taping process, and get to that ring. And it opened eyes. And I hadn't seen this fight. I hadn't, it wasn't on my radar. It was, you know, Michael Fox isn't a big star. Gabriel Meister is not a big star, especially in the UK. So I only saw the fallout from it. So I went to look for the fight, and I could only fight, find highlights of it. But then... You, you see who's behind it. You see that the Gloria Hernandez, the judge who scored it, 117-110 with a, knockout, a knockdown. 117-110 with a knockdown is just incredible. She's married to Ricardo Rizzo, who works for the WBA. There was a member of the WBA in Maestro's Corner, Marcelino Castillo. It was corrupt through and through. Like you said, uh, Michael Fox could have knocked him out. He'd have had to knock him out four times and he'd have still found a way to disqualify him. He just could not win that night and it's absolutely disgusting. The only positive I can find from this is that it was on stateside national television and, and the whole world has now seen what the WBA have become. At the beginning of the week, we have Mendoza saying how he's going to reduce his champions. He gets a lot of flat, the WBA, for the regular champions, the super champions, the interim champions. He said he was going to strip it down to one champion per weight class. And you start thinking maybe they're, they're, they're booking their ideas up. Then by the end of the week, they, they delivered one of the most corrupt judging scorecards I've seen at the professional level, we see it in the Olympics in the old days. You've seen Roy Jones get clearly robbed. You've seen Mayweather get clearly robbed. But on the professional stage, this is one of the worst that I have ever seen. And I hope that this is a turning point for boxing. Because if it's not, if they can get away with this, what can't they get away with? Um, listen, Dave, I'm, I'm absolutely disgusted with this one. And we know it goes on in boxing. We've spoken about this on here, like I said, but... This was in plain sight. It just couldn't have been any more obvious. It, it could not have been any more obvious. We, we could go on about some of the crap that the WBA have done, uh, WBA have done in boxing, um, and, and we'll be here all day. The list goes on. You've, you've got, just in recent times alone, some of the awful rankings, countless titles. It, it's just ridiculous. But something's got to be done. And, and those involved in boxing, those involved with boxing, they can't let this one lie. You can't just let it go. Um, I don't want to hear about an investigation and ordering of a rematch. Um, the result's got to be overturned. Hands need to be held up. The truth needs to come out. And whatever happens from here, Dave, PBC needs to move Fox on. Don't go back on to uh, the Mace fight. He's already beaten him convincingly. Um, get him a decent fight. With or, without, with or without that stupid title anyway, Dave. I'm, I Listen, I'm disgusted. I really am. And but what I am happy to see, Dave, I'm happy to see all the boxing fans coming together um, across social media and so on. Everyone's outraged, as, and that's rightly so. But I'll tell you what, Dave, boxing is bigger than these governing bodies. And 
they're being shown too much respect. And and you know what? They just, in, in simple terms, fuck the WBA. I'm, I'm not going to put it any more nicely than that. They're taking the absolute piss in a minute, and that, that that's as that's as uh, as nice as I can point it towards them, Dave. But moving on to another mess. Um, it's not quite the WBA, uh, but Canelo Alvarez. He's not going to fight in September after the collapse of his possible undisputed fight with Caleb Plant. Um, it's now been decided that the September fight date is no longer realistic for Canelo against Bivol. Um, I'm actually happy about that, Dave, and we spoke about this last week. He's now going to fight in November. Uh, so that brings the question, against who? Will it be Plant? Is it going to be Bivol? Or is it going to be somebody else completely different? Dave, if you had to put money on it now, who would you put money on to be Canelo's next opponent? I think I think it's Plant. I genuinely do think it's Plant. I think both sides are playing hardball in them negotiations. Caleb Plant and PBC knew exactly what that fourth belt meant to Canelo. They knew they had his golden ticket to Undisputed. And and they know there's a value attached with that. So they tried to squeeze every penny out, as you would. You'd want as much money as you can for fighting Canelo, because he's an absolute killer. You don't go in there for pennies to fight uh, Canelo Alvarez. Canelo obviously seen it from the other side of view. He had some stipulations that he wanted added, some that I agree with, some that I don't. I understand that he didn't want a three-fight deal with Fox that PBC was trying to enforce. I understand he wanted a guaranteed $40 million and And looking around that, you can see from both sides why one would want it and one wouldn't. And I think it just got to a point where there was that much sour taste between the two parties that the just negotiations just weren't going anywhere. Canelo's desperate for that September date. We know that he loves the September Mexican holiday date. It's his big fight night. He moves on to Bivol. Bivol hasn't got time to come down to 168 healthily, if he can ever get down to 168 healthily at all. So negotiations would have been going ongoing, but one eye on social media would have told anybody that Canelo wasn't going to get much credit for fighting Bivol at such short notice. It wasn't worth getting that September date on the table as much as Canelo would have wanted it. I think, possibly, behind the scenes, PBC have gone back to Canelo and said, look, let's sit down again. They'll want this fight as much as anyone. Canelo brings eyes to the sport. He's going to bring eyes to your stable. You get a good undercard. You, you're going to get the eyes that are going to be watching Canelo are going to be watching your fighters on the undercards. It's a massive opportunity for PBC as well. So I think they might have backtracked a bit and said, let's sit down and talk again. Canelo will be 100% up for that. He wants that fourth belt. He wants to be the first 168-pound fighter to all four, all four belts. So I think that's what's gone on behind the scenes. Uh, don't get me wrong, I've no inside knowledge, I've no sources. It's, it's just my my opinion of why suddenly, you know, there was going to be a fight and now suddenly it's been kicked back two months. I think that plan is going to be the man on the night. Yeah, I think I think we've all got our opinions on that one. I don't think Canelo's come out of it particularly uh, looking too great. But um, as much as I like Canelo and Bibble, and, and that is a fight I would like to see, I do hope they can get the plant fight made next, get that undisputed fight. And and then he can assess these options after that. You've got Bibble, you've got Bertaviev, you've got a trilogy with Golovkin, Benavides, Charlo. There's so many options out there for Canelo. And we want to see him going through these options. Um if he's already he's already an all time great, you know that he's gonna he's gonna go down in history. But if you want to really stamp your authority on that and, and become one of the top top fighters in history, then they're the guys he's gonna have to go through. And if, if he leaves this sport without fighting three or four of those, people people are gonna question his legacy. So Bivol, Bertaviev, uh, Benavides, Charlo, the guys he's not fought. Um, they're going to be waiting. And, of course, we know they're all going to be waiting for that Canelo payday. Uh, hopefully, they don't hold their careers back too much whilst doing so. But we do want to see those happening. And, again, I don't want to see him fight Bibble at a catch weight. So I'm, I'm glad that's not happening. But let's see. Um, he is under a bit of pressure now to deliver a top opponent um, in November. If he doesn't, those questions are going to be asked even more after the breakdown of the plant and Bibble fights. But let's see. Um, another potential fight causing a little bit of a stir on social media yesterday, I saw Dave, uh, is Lomachenko and Comey. Uh, the backlash in this one is a little bit odd for me. Uh, as I, I just don't, and I've spoken about it on here before, I don't think it takes a rocket, a rocket scientist to know that top rank want Lomachenko and Tiafimo Lopez too. I, I, I know that... <laughs> That's that's in the pipeline. So I don't know why people question this one, in all honesty. We know that Lomachenko's fighting on December the 12th. 
we know that Lopez has to fight Cambosis. We're going to get onto that fight in a moment. So, for me, Comey's a good opponent um, whilst they wait for the in inevitable rematch. Um, I mean, I don't recall anyone complaining about Lomachenko and Comey when it was a unification fight. Uh, but now Lo Lopez has stopped him. Automatically becomes a bum. As we know, this is what boxing do. Um, hilarious at times. But um, let me tell you, Dave, um, do you have an issue with Lomachenko and Comey? Uh, no, absolutely no issue at all with Lomachenko coming. No one's saying it, it's going to prove Lomachenko's pound-for-pound pound greatness, are they? Like you've mentioned there, Lopez has got a, a mandatory to take care of in Cambosos, which keeps getting kicked down the road for COVID, and they're trying to rearrange the fight, and it just seems to be getting nowhere fast. Lomachenko's not going to sit around. I know they want the Haney fight, the fans want the Haney fight, and for whatever reason, that fight's not going to happen. So... You know, he's just battered Nakatani, absolutely destroyed Nakatani. Lomachenko's not playing games. He's not looking for hiding places. He's going to fight Comey. As you mentioned, when he was champion, everybody was calling for that fight until Tiafimo put him to bed early. But, like, anyone can have one bad night. I'm not saying Comey's an all-time great and he's not going to go down as that, but he's still a solid enough name for me. He's uh, Like I've just mentioned, Lomachenko's not going to come out of there screaming I'm the greatest after beating Comey, but it's a, it's a good enough fight for me. It's a keep-busy fight. It's a fight that we know Tiafimo fought him, so Loma's going to go and try and do a similar number on him just to try and keep the fans talking and put that pressure on Lopez. And that's ultimately the fight we want to see. So people who are trying to find a way to say Lomachenko's avoiding anybody, He's chasing the man who beat him. He's not avoiding anybody. He wants that fight more than anything in this world. So, yeah, Comey's a decent fight for me. It's just, as we see time and time again, if a, fight, a fighter's face doesn't fit a certain crowd, then, then he can't do anything right. And that's through, throughout the sport. That's not just Lomachenko. It happens with every single fighter. You'll never, ever please everybody. Yeah, and I think activity is a key point here as well, Dave. He's coming back from a loss and, and an injury to to being a little bit more active than a lot of fighters at the moment. He's fight, We're going to see him twice this year. Some fighters we've not seen at all um, at the moment. Some fighters we might have seen once, uh, and that's going to be it. So we can't question that. And again, the plan is obvious. Uh, nobody's going to complain when we get the rematch between Lomachenko and Lopez. So... That's going to probably be early next year. But on, on to Tiafimo Lopez, Dave, you've just mentioned a little bit about what's going on with, with the fight with Cambosis. But it's been ruled this week that uh, the fight cannot take place in Australia. We hear that Triller wanted to, uh, to move it to there. Um, they stand to lose a lot of money on this one, Dave. As we know, they put up a lot of money for the first And the demand for pay-per-view in the US it doesn't seem too high. So... It questions whether they're going to go through with this fight. Dave, do you think Trillo is still going to go through with this fight? It was a massive bid they put in. It was like millions ahead of anybody else, wasn't it? It was an, an unbelievable bid to the point that Lopez and Bob Aaron fell out. Lopez fought it jackpot, didn't he? But now the, the, the sting's gone out of the fight for me a bit with it being so prolonged and it's off and it's on. It's sort of... It's getting to the point where now you just want him to get in the ring and get it over and done with. The excitement's slowly ebbing away. Maybe Triller have looked at it and thought, we've gone well, we've gone in well too every year. We, we've this fight is not financial, financially viable. So they decided to try and take it to Australia, get the Combosa Stadium filled and the pay-per-view from America would have to pay a pay-per-view then because nobody could visit the fight. They'd have to buy it if they wanted to see it. But with that being ruled out, then... They, I don't know where they go for me. They can't make that money back. Surely there's not enough interest in this fight right now to make that money back. So that will, I wouldn't be surprised to see it collapse at all. Yeah, and it's an interesting one because they've got to come up with a fight date soon. They, they can't leave that one dragging into next year. That, that's just going to slow things down completely. Lopez has been out of the ring for far too long now. And I know obviously the original fight... Uh, broke down when he when he tested positive for COVID, but we need to see him back in there. When I mean, he, he he's a young guy, he, he's just become a real champion, and we want to see him kicking on from there. And if his next fight ends up being Lomachenko in the rematch, that's not going to be good for him, Dave. At the end of the day, so hopefully they can get something all like, organized with that. But of course, uh, Cambosis is back in Australia. I believe he's um, he's going to become a father very soon as well, so he's not going to want to leave Australia anytime soon. So. When that one's going to get made, I don't know. But they've got to get it done this year. And we don't want it dragging into next year. But, Dave, 
This week sees the return of our £10 to £1,000 challenge. Uh, we were going so well last time out, but we're, yeah, we've had a bit of a break on this one. But we're ready to smash it now, Dave. Um, we're going to have one little change. I think what we're going to do now, Dave, we're going to bank some money along the way, um, which can be our pot for future attempts. So every few bets we'll take a little out. Uh, we'll start by taking back the stake. Um, and we'll see how far we can go. But I think that's going to be a better way of doing things um, in terms of keeping it uh, moving uh, a lot better. But looking at the fights this week, Dave, we've got a lot to look forward to. And we're going to be discussing these very shortly. But what fights are, uh, are looking at you for value this week, Dave? We've got Bawatsi Bolotniks over 12 rounds. Two hard-hitting fighters. I can't see that one going the distance. Uh, what else have I been looking at? Kadena's back. I do like Joe Kadena. He's not the hardest hitter, but I expect him to get a points win there. It's all about the odds, though. They, they late, leave them so late that you could choose a million picks and then they'd all just be absolutely worthless. So I, I tend to look midweek, see what's going down, and, and see where the money's at. It's a shame because we both. Last week, we both had in our predictions. Well, for a few weeks now, our predictions through the prediction competition have been going pretty solid. We've not got many wrong, so we could have made a few bets. But it is what it is. And, yeah, I think it's a good idea to put that, that them winnings away. And then, basically, it's not costing you anything. Once you've got a tenner back in the bank, it's not costing you anything going further forward, is it? So it's a, it's a win-win, as long as we get off that off that first round, really. Yeah, this is it. I'm waiting for the US um, odds to start coming out for the US cards. Uh, the, the UK ones for the Fight Camp card, they, they, the odds have come out pretty early this week. And um, I've had a look at those. And Buatzi stoppage, the odds look pretty decent for that. I think it was like 4 to 11 or something. So I'm quite interested in that. Uh, you've got the Ford and Bellotti fight. I fancy that one to go the distance. That, that could be a decent one to look at as well. But there are a few, but we'll wait for all the odds to come out, as we always do, Dave, and, and we'll have a bit of a discussion, and we'll we'll make a decision. We'll put it out on our Twitter page. So look out for it, um, and we'll, we'll keep you informed. But, yeah, we hope to get on a roll with that one now. Uh, but, Dave, uh, there, is so much, there is so much action this week. It's going to be a nightmare keeping up with all of the action, but four cards, uh, three in the U.S. and one over here. Um, the headliners this week are uh, John Real Casemiro against Guillermo Rigondeaux. Virgil Ortiz Jr. Um, against Kavilyowskis. Now, I'm going to say mean machine. It's going to be a lot easier to refer to him as that. I don't know if I, I nailed that one first time, but I'm not going to attempt it again. Uh, we've got Joshua Franco against Andrew Maloney, part three, um, and Joshua Buatzi against Rikars Belotniks. Um, we're going to start with a big bantamweight fight, Dave. That's Casemiro um, against Rigandel. Now, we obviously had in the build-up, we had, is it going to happen? Is it going to be Rigandau? Uh, is it going to be Rigandau, Casemiro? Is it going to be Casemiro, Donaire? We're back to Rigandau and, and Casemiro now. But um, it looks a real good fight between these two guys. Um, they've both won many world titles across their career. Uh, but, Dave, one key thing is Rigo is 40 years old now. What are you expecting for, uh, from, from him in this fight? His style of fighting is he's very reactive, isn't he? He's a reaction fighter. He likes to draw punches out of his opposition and he'll move. And we've seen him do it so many times, move and counter. And I think as you get older, the reactions start to go first, don't they? At 40 years old against a fast-handed fighter like Casimiro, can he still evade these shots and deliver them counters? As we've seen him do in the past, he is a absolute joy to watch for a boxing purist he is absolutely brilliant to watch he's been stiffed over the years he has been uh, done on the cards because his style and with him being cuban and he, he hasn't really built a character his style isn't great for for casual viewers they're like two mexicans going at it head to head and just punching each other till one falls over so he has been hard done to over the years, but 40 years old. He's been active for, what, 18 months now as well? I don't know. I just think that's it might be a bridge too far. I like the guy. I'd love him to have one more night in the lights, but he's just a massive ask for me, especially with the run of form Casimiro's on as well. He's flying at the minute. Yeah, it's a tough one, Dave. Um, I don't think he can rely on his legs so much as what he has done down the years. But for me, 40 or not, he's a double Olympic champion. He's obviously best known in the pros for his exploits at um, 122. This fight is at 118. And of course, that brilliant win over Didier, that covered uh, 122 pounds. But he's a skillful southpaw. He's got power in that left hand. And 
His only defeat is that one to Lomachenko. And, it, of course, he had no business going up to 130 for that fight. But like you said, Dave, he's been a bit unlucky. People have avoided him uh, for years. He got avoided. So he had to go searching for a fight like that, Lomachenko won. And it, obviously, it, it become very costly. And he should never have been up at 130 for that fight. It's ridiculous. But um, he's not in his prime. But I still expect to see a good Rigo in there. He's experienced. He, he's fought many punches before. And I think this is going to be a good fight. But, Dave, on to Casemiro, he's a free weight world champion. He's on a strong run of KO victories at 118 pounds. Um, we know he can bang, of course. He won the world title with a crushing performance against Zelani Teddy. But has, has he found his optimum weight at 118 pounds? Yeah, I love him at 118. I think it's a great balance of speed and power there. His power is very telling. He's He can still keep up the high output. He's got fast feet. He's very... Manny Pacquiao and his style, and he must be something they teach of in the Philippines because they're in and out, the blazing hand speed, and the powerful. And I think that one one eight is where he is most effective. He's he's looked devastating his last what is it six fights. He he's been incredible. Yeah, it's one of those fights, Dave. It's interesting. It will be interesting to see what type of fight it is. It, it, we're looking at it. is the old Wiley Rigandale going to turn up and put on a masterclass? Is is the heavy hitting Casemiro going to blast the old man out of there? We know that Rigondeaux is not going to stand and trade with him, but what what sort of fight are you expecting? I know you touched upon it a little bit, but what sort of fight are you expecting in there, Dave? Expect Casimiro to be the aggressor. It's the only way he knows, and that's going to play into Rigondeaux's hands to a, to a degree. He he'll want Casimiro to come on to him so he can time him on the way in. Casimiro, like I've just mentioned, high output, but he does leave himself open. He's very hittable. As much as he hits you, he can be caught. We've seen it in the past, and Rigondeaux, if he can. If he can counter them windows, if his timing's still there and he's still got it, he can he, he can win this fight. Two, no two ways about it because Casemiro does give you windows to hit him. You don't have to go looking for him. He's going to come to you. So it's all dependent on the age and, and the inactivity factor from Rigandau for me. It could be Casemiro could blast through him or Rigandau could make it very hard and, and even win. So it all depends on where Rigandau's at. Yeah, and in an ideal world, uh, we're going to see Inoue against Donair too, and then the two winners will meet in an undisputed clash early next year. That would be great, wouldn't it, though? Yeah, that's the one we want. We'd... Is there still time for Donair to get in with Casemiro before the weekend? Because that's been off and on and off and on. So <laughs> it, it, it could it could very well play out like that. Donair, in a way, too, would be a great fight. We've seen him in the Super Series. It was a fantastic fight, in a way, just... Came onto the world stage really there, didn't he, with an absolute devastating performance. But Donner had his moments. He he broke into his cheekbone. So them two do deliver a great fight. They've proven that in the past. So if them two can get it on as well, then we're one fight away from an undisputed undisputed champion. And that is what boxing fans want, a clear champion of a weight division. And there's no dull fights between any combination of those four fighters. There isn't a dull fight between them. So we can only win. Yeah, and there's been talk of a new Adenir being later on this year in Japan. So hopefully, hopefully for the division, it makes sense. Get that fight on and then get the two winners in there for an undisputed clash early next year. Uh, but next up, Virgil Ortiz Jr. against Mean Machine. Uh, this one looks a real shootout. And I don't expect this one to go the distance. I don't know about you, Dave, but will Ortiz be taken to deep waters for the first time here? I'd like to see him in deep waters. We we talk about the 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 tests, don't we? That a prospect must go through in order to prove themselves that they are worthy at the top level. And Ortiz against Maurice Hooker, he did get caught. He got caught quite a bit, but that was more to do with Hooker's range. I don't think Hooker had the power to really cause too many problems to Ortiz Jr. But Mean Machine does have that power. So if he he's as hittable against Mean Machine as he was against Hooker. He could he could be stopped right in his tracks here. This isn't a walkthrough for Junior by any stretch of the imagination. He is going to be tested. And if he comes through this, then the future is very bright for him because he he's looked devastating so far. But he's good. if he can look devastating against a proven fighter in Mean Machine, then he, he's, he's ticked all the boxes for me and it's time to push on then. Yeah, I love this fight, Dave. It's a serious test for him. Um... Many are tipping him for a serious title to be a serious title contender very soon, and we, we've seen with Mean Machine he pushed Crawford in a brilliant fight, and this one this one could be a real statement from Ortiz if he goes out there and he stops him, 
And and people will make a big deal about it if he stops him faster than what obviously uh, Terence Crawford did. I believe that was in the ninth round when when Crawford stopped it. But that was a tough fight. Um, it's a great. Uh, it's also a great chance for Mean Machine, though, Dave. Uh, we can't write him off in this one. We definitely can't do that. And we know he can hit. Um, and we're going to find out. Hopefully, um, like you said, Dave. I hope we find this out. We're going to find out how Ortiz reacts to the adversity. I would hope that in this fight he's going to have to come through adversity at some point. And, and we're going to see what he's really made of. Um, but like you just mentioned, Dave, if, if he does win this, he's in a great position. Um, would you say if he won this, he'd be ready for a title challenge? Now, we heard the rumours that he rejected the Crawford fight. That's been denied. But if he convincingly beats Mean Machine, is he ready for the likes of Crawford? I think so, yeah. If he can convincingly do a number on Mean Machine, then why hold back? It... Better to lose now and try, try at the top level and lose now. And he's still got plenty of time in his career to come back and go again. There's no point timing just to avoid a challenge to win a world title. Challenge yourself. And I don't believe he's got the mindset of not wanting to challenge himself. I do believe he would. I know Golden Boy might try and reel him back in a bit and try and keep him under a bit more cotton wool. But why? Why do that? Going there with your Danny Garcias, your Mikey Garcias, people like that. And I think, I genuinely think he beats both of those men. Just test yourself at the top. Go in there and, and, and shake up the whole division. And go and beat Crawford or Spence. And it's not easy. I'm not saying that. You know, It's one of the most hardest divisions in boxing. They've got some of the most skillful fighters at that top level. But if he can go ahead and do that, which... I don't think he'll, he'll come out of a championship fight looking daft. I think he'll, he'll show he belongs up there. But don't fear losing that all because it's just going to hold you back more than anything. Go out there and push yourself and, and I genuinely believe, in, even if he doesn't get a win against a, a Temex Crawford, I think he'll come out with a lot of respect because people will realise that he's, if he's 18 and all after this weekend and he fights Crawford in his, on his 19th fight and he proves to be a tough competition... He might not walk away with a belt, but he'll walk away with a whole new fan base and people will put a lot of respect on his name. Yeah, it's a very interesting this one, Dave. Like we said, we, we expect it to be a test. And at the end of the day, there's going to come a time where Ortiz is going to be taking the distance, where he can't get his man out there. I don't know if this is going to be that fight, but if he's in a tough fight with someone like Mean Machine and he comes through it, that's going to help him going into that fight where he can't get his man out there. So... This is going to be a great learning fight, and and uh, yeah, I hope I hope we do see some testing times for him. As much as it, you don't want to wish that on a fighter, but I hope we see him come through some testing times if he's going to get the win. And it's not just a straightforward blast out because again, if he blasts Mean Machine out there, people are going to get a little bit carried away. They're going to get hyped. But does that set him up for a fight with someone like Crawford? I'm not so sure. He probably needs one of those testing tougher fights to see uh, a little bit more what he's made of and that he can come through those tough times uh, to take him into those fights. But look, there's no need to rush. He's making step-ups, and I'm happy for him to continue doing that. And when, when the time's right, he, he can go in for one of those tests. But yeah, you mentioned a few names that he could look towards. But yeah, there's other guys there you could look towards. And we've seen we've seen the step-up with Hooker. Now we're seeing the step-up again with Mean Machine. So he's going along nicely. But um in terms of the undercard, we've not got enough time to go through undercards in detail, Dave, but this one looks pretty good. We've got Roger Gutierrez against uh, Rene Alvarado. Um, they're having their trilogy fight. The last time they fought, it was brilliant. Um, and Felix Alvarado is also on the undercard as well. He's featuring, um, defending his title. Um, the Showtime card um, has got a great co-main as well with Gary Antonio Russell against Manny Rodriguez. I love that fight as well. So few good undercard fights. Um, but the other uh, the other card stateside, we'll keep it brief on this one, Dave. But the main event, uh, Joshua Franco against Andrew Maloney. Um, it's for the wonderful WBA world belt, otherwise known as the regular. Now, we had an upset in the first one. Um, we had the controversy in the second fight. So this one's a bit of a... It's, a, it's one of the weirdest trilogies known, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, and I suppose it, it's good for Franco, really, because... I don't think either of these two belong at the very top of that division. I don't think they can mix it with Estrada or Choc or anybody like that. So it's very lucky that he keeps getting Maloney coming back to fight him so he can keep fighting. It is a competitive fight. Every fight they've had, you know, they had the controversy last time with the egg clash. You had the solid fight, the first outing. So it is a good fight for a viewer. But I think they're both at the limit fighting each other. I don't see either of these two men being able to trouble the very top of that division. But 
you know, not every fighter is going to make a world champion, but every fighter can have a good career. And I believe Franco and Maloney, they do deliver on the night and they're fun to watch. So it's a trilogy of, it's a bit of a pointless trilogy. Like you said, the, the regular title doesn't mean a great deal, but it's, it delivers for the fans. I know that Maloney's got a big Australian following, so he'll definitely get his viewing figures in and, why not go again if if there's there's a score to be settled because they're certainly not bothering bothering the true world champions of that division. That's for certain. I think a key point about this, Dave. Now, as as much as I hate these secondary titles, and we again we've spoken about this on a number of occasions. I think for guys like Franco and for guys like Maloney, it, they're, they're it's huge. For them, it's massive, and it feels to them it feels like they're world champions. They they will go around and and they will feel like a world champion, whether we believe they're world champions or not. Some people do. Some people rate the secondary titles as world title holders and so on. But for these guys, they they're going to feel like they've got somewhere. They've become a world champion because, like you said, they're probably not going to challenge the guys at the top end, so they're not going to get to hold them super titles. So. For guys like Franco and Maloney, I think it's huge for them. And again, I, I'm not I'm not giving uh, these titles any credit because I, I I hate the fact that they're involved in boxing. But yeah, for guys like this, it, it is huge for them. And yeah, I think um, you've 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 hit the nail on the head by saying they're probably not going to reach those top end. But yeah, let's see. I'm, I'm expecting a good fight in that one, and we're going to discuss that in our in our predictions as well. But lastly, we're going to look at fight camp three. Um, the headline, Buatzi against Bolotnitz. Now, we've spoken a lot about Buatzi on here, Dave, so I don't want us to go around in circles and continue to repeat ourselves, but this looks to be his toughest test, doesn't it, Dave? Yeah, it's definitely his toughest test. When they came out with this second bout of uh, fight camp fights, this was a standout fight for me. Buatzi, we know what he can do. We know what he's about. He's hard-hitting. He's a solid fighter. And Bolotnik, so you look at his record and you don't think much of him, but then you look at his, how he's performed at light heavy. Absolutely different animal. He, he's on a hell of a run. He's a dangerous, dangerous fighter. So I'm so glad that Boatsy's took this fight. It's Like you say, it's, it's his toughest test today. And it's a springboard now. If he can get through Bolotnik, if he can perform on the night, then the sky's his limit, then he can start looking up because he was starting to get a bit stale in his career. Uh, Bolotniks, we've seen him wipe Stephen Ward out in one round. He beat Hosea Burton. He stopped Sergio Michel. This he's on a hell of a run. So Bolatsi, he's, he he's going to be aware of what he's in there with. He knows that he's in with an aggressive fighter. He's going to keep the pressure on him. He's hard hitting. Bolatsi, I'm sure he'll be at his best as well. So I'm really really looking forward to this fight. It's got the makings of an absolute war. Yeah, you just made a couple of key points there, Dave. I'm sure people will look at his box rec um, and they'll say, oh, this is another easy one for Boatsy. But it, it isn't. It really isn't. And you just mentioned some of the names there. He is on a good run. He's beaten guys like Jose Burton, Stephen Ward, Serge Mikel, like you've just mentioned there. And, and to be honest, those names would look good on Boatsy's resume. Let, let's not make let's not make no two ways about that, Dave. Uh, but... Um, yeah, he should be able to push. He should be able to push Buatzi a little here. But in all honesty, I, I expect to see the talent of Buatzi really coming out in a fight like this. We know Buatzi is he does have that quality, and I think it's going to shine through a little bit more as he steps up the level of opponents. So we're going to see that sharp jab. I expect to see some defensive improvements under Virgil Hunter, um, and of course, we we know he's got power. But Dave, what do you want to see from Buatzi in this fight? We know he's got power. We know that he, he can blast anybody in that division out of their bar, maybe the top two. But like you've just mentioned there, it's his defence that worries me. He's shown he can be hit, Boatsy. He's teamed up with Virgil Hunter, as you just mentioned. I think that's a brilliant team, and I think that's a brilliant pairing. I, I am a big fan of Hunter. I do think he drills his fundamentals well. He won't want his fighter getting hit. He's not Freddie Roach, 100% aggression. He, he is more technically minded than that. So I'd like to see a more rounded, all-round display from Bawatsi. Not just a hard-hitting guy who's going head-hunting. I'd like to see him work his way into range. I'd like to see him avoid the big shots and counter off it. And just prove that he's not just a hard-hitting brawler. He's a good technical boxer who can make his opponent miss and land his own work, which is ultimately what you want your fighter to do. We know what he is. Now he's got to show us that. He's, he's, his negative sides, his weaker parts of his game, he's worked on, he's starting to improve them because if he steps up to the world level with these deficiencies, with these flaws, 
it's only going to get more and more exposed. So let's see it against Bolotniks because he, he certainly won't want to get hit off Bolotniks. We've seen what run he's on. He's stopped three in the last six. He, he's a powerful, rough, tough fighter. There's nowhere Boazzi will want to go in there and just stand and mix it with him. So like to see a bit more movement, a bit more fluidity and, and, and up his defensive game. And then I think we've got the Boazzi that showed all that promise early. Everybody spoke so highly of him. If we see a more rounded package, then I can see the Boazzi that people thought we had. I'm not his biggest fan. I've, no, I've made no mistake about that. I don't think he's as high as everybody hyped him to be, but I'm happy to be proved wrong as well. Yeah, and I think if he does come through this one, Dave, it's got to be another step up. No messing around, no wasting time. Getting back in there this year. Uh, but the key question will be against who, Dave? Um, what sort of names do you think you should be looking at um, if he comes through Belotniks? I think it's... No, Bivolo will be looking for a date. So if you go through Belotniks and, you, and you're looking good, then why not? Craig Richards had a go. He, uh, Spider Richards, it wasn't the most impressive display, but he got in there, he had a go. And I think Boatsy's level's above that. And if he shows that he is, then why not start knocking on the world door? If he's not, if he doesn't feel he's ready for that, if he wants more time with Virgil Hunter, as we've mentioned loads of times on the floor, we've got a whole array of talent at 175 on the domestic scene. So he he won't be short of options. He, he'll have plenty of opportunities. And, and being with Matroom, we know that Eddie can make fights. He can make fights any time of the day, anywhere in the world. So he'll be spoiled for choice. But... If he if he shows against Blotniks that he he, he belongs there and, and it's a, new, a really impressive display, then I don't see any reason in not going for that world title because if he does stay against the opponents at domestic levels, say your Callum Johnsons, and he gets beat, I think that hurts him a lot more going forward trying to get that world title shot. He might get left behind. He might get left behind with the lights off. We know that Yard and Arthur are going to go at it again. And... He, he might just be for the forgotten man and I'd hate to see that with Boatsy if the promise that people talk about is true. I'd hate to see him become that forgotten man. But at the same time, I'm more than happy for him to get in there with Callum Johnson and people like that from an entertainment point of view because them two going at it will be absolute fireworks as well. So he will have options. If he's ready for world level, then, then why not? If not, then he's got some risky fights going up there. Yeah, I think I think the Bivol route is the one they want to go down. I, I think Hearn's made that clear. That that's the route they want to go. He's obviously ranked very high with the WBA. So, like you just mentioned, Craig Richards has been in there with him. I I don't see why you don't throw Buatzi and Craig Richards in together. We're going to learn a lot more about him, and we'll see where he is um, in a fight like that, as we've just seen uh, Richards against Bivol. So if he goes in there and he let's say he stopped Craig Richards or he beat him quite convincingly. I, I, then, then you might be able to look towards the Bivol fight. But I think we need to learn a little bit more about him. We know he's got the talent, uh, but let's learn a bit more about him. And, yeah, I, I'm I'm, I'm down for a Buatzi-Richards fight if, if, if Buatzi comes through Belotniks, to be honest. But, yeah, let's see where, we go, uh, where they go with that one. But what about the rest of the card, Dave? Uh, we know Fight Camp has been a little bit of mix and match in terms of well-matched fights, uh, despite the slogan of no easy fights. Uh, but let's have a run through this card, Dave. We've got Mickinson against Ronalski. Uh, Cash Farouk uh, against Luis Gerardo Castillo, um, another Mexican opponent. We've got Joe, Cald uh, Joe Caldina against Joshua Hernandez. Uh, Raymond Ford against Reese Bellotti. I mentioned that fight earlier. And Hope Price against uh, Claudio Grande. Um, what does this card say to you, Dave? Again, it, it doesn't shout out amazing. Does it doesn't shout out game change for me. It, it's a, it, I like Michael McKinson. I think if he can build on that Chris Congo win... You know, he's got a good future ahead of him. He suddenly found himself off the back of that surprise win. He found himself the talk of everybody. So he could have a, a good future ahead of him. Good to see Cash Fruit back. I always like watching him. Joe Cordina, so much promise. Everybody speaks massively of Cordina, but he, he just, he's not out enough. He's not active enough. Uh, Hopey Price, it wouldn't be a matchroom show if Hopey Price didn't feature, would it? So... Yeah, it's always good to see Price out. But again, there's nothing out there that shouts, oh, I can't wait for that on the undercard. Like we did in fight camp week one. We had a couple of undercard fights. So you're thinking, that's, that's a tasty fight, that. There's nothing really on this card that screams that. Nah, but I'm hoping that a few of these fights are going to deliver. I could, I could see where a couple have, have, have the chances to deliver, Dave. Although, like on paper, like you said, it doesn't look great. But the Cash Farouk uh, fight against a Mexican uh, Mexican opponent that could end up being a decent little scrap. 
Uh, Raymond Ford and Bellotti, I, I like that fight. Um, it's not high profile, but I think that could end up being a decent fight. So there's a few fights on there that could end up being pretty good. But yeah, on paper, again, another undercard that doesn't look too great. Right? You mentioned Joe Caldina there, Dave, and uh, a little bit about him. He's a classy fighter. He's a fighter I like, but it's time he really kicked on in better matchups, isn't it, Dave? And, and fighting someone like Joshua Hernandez on this undercard, it's not really going to do much for, for him, is it? No, especially with how, how much people speak of him, Eddie rates him so highly, Tony Bellew, and seeing him in action, you can see where they're coming from. He's good. He is a class, class fighter. But we're 12 fights in. We're still no really further up the ladder. We're fighting Joshua Hernandez. We shouldn't be there after 12 fights. We need to start kicking it on now. Uh, no point holding back. Let's start getting up them rankings. Like Boatsy's taking his chances now. And it's time for Cordina to start looking up as well. We know he can more than do the job at that level. He's not He's not learning anything at that level. It's time to start progressing it. Yeah, and as always, we finish with our predictions. And I still lead by one point. Um, we had a stalemate this week, Dave. We, we, uh, we were level with all the predictions. But um, there's five fights to predict this week, so lots could change. Uh, we're going to start with Casemiro against Rigondeaux. Uh, how'd you see that one, Dave? I'm going for Casemiro stoppage. I think it's just it's 40 years old, 18 months without any action. Casemiro's on a roll. He he just he looks happy again fighting Casemiro. We mentioned about the weight earlier before. He he just looks better at the weight. He's fast. He's electric. He's powerful. I think it'll just be too much for a 40 year old Rigondeaux. That's 40 Cuban years, so he could be older than that. <laughs> I, I I just I I, th- I can't see as much as I like Rigondeaux. Great servant of the sport, and and like I mentioned earlier, he's not had the easiest time of a professional. People avoiding him and, and not wanting to get in there because he is such a quality quality operator. But I think now is everyone's got the dare. Everyone's that switch flicks eventually, and you just don't have it anymore. And I, I can't see him keeping up with the whirlwind that is Casemiro. I just can't see it. Yeah, it's a real tough one to call for me this one, Dave. I think it's a real tough one, but. The bookies are slightly favouring Rigo. Um, fans on Twitter seem to be favouring Casemiro. You've just gone with Casemiro there, but I just think if if the if Rigo turns up in 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 real form, he's going to frustrate Casemiro. We know he's an awkward fighter, uh, and he's not going to be easy to fight against if he, if he's in top form. Can he be in top form at the age of forty? We don't know. We're going to have to see on the night, but. Casemiro is going to look for the stoppage. You mentioned that he's going to be the one pressuring. If he can hurt Rigo early, um, it could be a rough night for the Cuban. But I don't know. I, I just think the, the wily old fox, he, he's going to shine through here. I think, I think he can make it ugly at times. And I think he's going to nick those rounds. Uh, as tough as it is for me to say, I'm going to go with Rigo to get a decision here, Dave. This is where we're going to have a, a little bit of a change in, in, in the points, Sally. But I'm going to go with Rigo uh, to get the decision after some really, really rough moments in the fight. Um, Ortiz Jr. against Mean Machine. Dave, how you seeing that one? Yeah, I am a believer in Ortiz Jr. I do believe he is the real deal. I think we've got a hell of a fight here. If Ortiz Jr. is going all out aggression against Mean Machine, then again, Mean Machine's going to match him. He's going to look to push him back. I think we've, this is my fight of the weekend for me, I think. Uh, Ortiz Jr. stoppage I'm going for. Yeah, this is a real firefight, and we've mentioned it already, Dave, and we think Ortiz will be pushed in this. Um, I think he will. Uh, he's going to have a he's going to have a serious chin and gut check here, but like you said, I think he's the real deal, Dave. I think he's going to go a long way, and I think he stops Mean Machine as well. I, I'm imagining around the, the 10th round or so, but it could be sooner. But yeah, like you just said, Dave, this is going to be the fight of the night, in my opinion. This is going to be the exciting one. This is the one that's going to have you on the edge of your seat, and yeah, I think we're going to learn a lot about Ortiz Jr. in this, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, Boatsy Belotnik, Dave? And going... But what's he points, believe it or not? I think with his new teaming up with Virgil Hunter, I don't think he'll go looking for that knockout. I think we might see a different side of Boatsy and he'll be trying things that Virgil Hunter would have been drilling into him. He's had, he's had time with him now. I don't think he's going to be as aggressive as, as, as he usually is. I think he's going to be trying new things. Bolotniks, he's tough as well, Bolotniks. He's, he, he won't fall over at 175, not easily. So I think Bawatsi might... Uh, it'll be a clear points decision if it should go to points, but I know it's not a popular decision, but I, th- I just see a Bawatsi, Bawatsi points decision. Fully see where you're coming from, Dave. Uh, I, 
I I know it's going to be a test. It's going to be a bigger test than Guratsi's had. And like you said, I, I don't see him going in there and blasting Bolognitz out of there in, in one or two. It is going to be um, a tougher fight for him where he's going to have some challenging moments in there. But he's got genuine class in and out the ring for me. And I, I, feel, I think he's going to look good in there, Dave. And I think he will get the stoppage. Um, I, I do think he's going to get the stoppage, but I don't think it's going to come in the early rounds. Uh, but yeah, he gets the stoppage onwards and upwards, getting moving along a lot quicker. Um, Maloney against Franco, the trilogy. Dave, has this one going to go? How's think... it going to end? This should be the final one. I think Maloney's going to get his hand raised eventually after on the third attempt. He felt hard done to the first time. He must have been devastated the second time. I think this is his moment. He's going to get his hand raised. <laughs> He'll be the happiest non-world champion in the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm going Maloney points for the regular title. Yeah, I'm in agreement, Dave. I think he's going to get that long-awaited victory. Uh, I think it's 14 months or so. They're fighting three times in 14 months. Like I said, it's a crazy trilogy. But Franco was excellent in that first fight. Uh, but yeah, Maloney came back and he was determined in that second. He was unfortunate with, obviously, the, the cut and, and the ruling of the cut. But yeah, I think he's going to go out there and he can't, if he comes out like he did in that second fight, I can see Maloney getting the stoppage. So, yeah, I'm going to go for Maloney's stoppage in a, in a good fight. And finally, Dave, I mentioned this fight earlier, Raymond Ford against Reese Bellotti. I do like this fight. What's your prediction on that? Yeah, I like Bellotti. He, but I just think Ford, he's, he's up and coming. He's hungry. He's full of energy. I don't think he'll stop Bellotti, but I think he'll take it on points. Yeah, I think he had a bit of a reality check in his last fight against Aaron Perez Ford. Um, but I think that's going to do him good. And Bellotti, he's on a bit of a bad run. I think he's had three losses in four now. He's had some tough fights in there. But, yeah, I think this is another tough one for him. So I'm going to go with full decision as well. And I am looking forward to this fight on what looks a pretty poor undercard. But let's see. Hopefully that can be a shining light on that undercard there. But, Dave... That's a wrap. What a weekend we're in store for. Any final words? Yeah, good luck for those trying to make it all the way through catching all this action. <laughs> we've had weeks and weeks with no American cards, so we've just got our sleep pattern back, and now <laughs> we've been battered with a whole array. Has anybody picked up the Casimiro fight? Do we know? Not at the moment. I'm hoping my guys over at Fight TV are going to grab that one up. I'm sure they'll nick it right at the last. I'm sure they're going to get that in. I'm hoping anyway. Yeah, if, for what they've picked up so far, they, they, I can't see them letting this one slip. It's a massive fight. It's a brilliant fight. And it, it'll definitely pull the viewing figures in. So, like I say, Ortiz Jr. is my fight of the weekend. But the intrigue is there with Casimiro Rigondeaux. I just want to see if Rigondeaux's got anything left. So, massive bumper weekend and plenty to discuss next week on the show. And I can't wait. Yeah, lots to look forward to, Dave. And another thing about next week, of course, we've got Spence and Pacquiao. That one's that one not has not yet been picked up by a UK broadcaster either. So Fight TV, we, we, we're hoping that they're going to pull those two fights in. Uh, they have been doing us well recently. And it, it is such a shame that some of the big broadcasters are not getting these fights in. But yeah, as long as we get to see it, I'm happy. So... I can't imagine what it's going to be like if no one picks up Spence and Pacquiao. So hopefully that gets done. But thanks for listening all. Um, have a brilliant weekend. Enjoy the boxing. Lots to look forward to. And hopefully we're not going to see no more nonsense from the WBA this weekend. Take care. <laughs>